Verses 46 this morning, we have been looking at Joseph, a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Uh, we've come to the point where last week in chapter 45, Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers. And he's told his brothers, you don't have anything to be afraid of because I'm not going to take revenge on you. I'm not going to hold a grudge against you. But he didn't excuse their sin. He says, you meant evil towards me, but God sent me to Egypt to preserve life. Joseph is telling his brothers, God is greater than your evil towards me. And we should never lose sight of that. God is greater than the evil society that surrounds us. God is greater. He has a plan. He's still in control. And it's good to know that as we look around and the world seems to be getting more evil by the day. But God is still in control. God has a plan for his people. He had a plan for Jacob, Jacob's family, Jacob's sons. And God has a good plan, and it's a kind good plan. It's a compassionate plan, and it's to preserve life. So let's look at Genesis chapter 46, and uh, we 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 will read this chapter. Well, most of it. So Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba, and he offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, their wives, and the cart which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock, their goods, which they had acquired in the land land of Canaan, and he went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him. His sons and his son's sons, his daughter and his son's daughters, and all the descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now, verses 8 through 25, I'm not going to read. If you want to read about these genealogies, and if you happen to be listed there, you may want to read verses 8 through 25, but we're going to drop down to verse 26. All the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt were who came from his body besides Jacob's son's wives were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. Then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him, and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. 
And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Cana have come to me. And the men are shepherds, and for their occupation has been to feed livestock, and they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? Then you shall say, Your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. About ten years ago, my firstborn grandchild, Gracie, came down to our house for a visit. We lived up on the mountain then, and we had a long driveway to the street where our mailbox was. And I said to Gracie, let's go check the mail. She's about two to three years old. So off we go. About three quarters of the way down to the mailbox, she takes off running for the street. I take off chasing her. <laughs> I was younger then, so I caught up to her. <laughs> and it was sort of a busy road, so I was afraid for her, you know, safety. And I knew I had to spank her. Now, you may not believe in that, but I do. And I spanked her for endangering her life. Now, this is the only time I can ever remember spanking Gracie because she is the perfect grandchild. But the spanking, it made her cry. She couldn't understand why Papa would spank her. But you know, as a grandparent, if I can see the good of a little physical pain to preserve life, how much more does our God see this? How much more is our God willing to chastise us to preserve life? You know our Lord doesn't hesitate to correct us. He doesn't hesitate to discipline us for our own good. God can handle us, his children, being upset with him. Now that surprises some people, especially when God corrects us for our own good. Take Joseph. He's been in horrible conditions for 17 years. He was a slave for 17 years. But he has not only been a slave for the good of others, but for his own family. God has put him into this position as a slave and for the entire nation of Egypt. Not only that, Joseph's slavery has been beneficial to him. Joseph is being schooled in the college of difficult times. And it's in those difficult times where we learn that God's chastenings 
teach us valuable lessons, and they're good. Let me read a couple, three verses out of Hebrews chapter 12 for you. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. You don't have to turn there. If you endure chastenings, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we have paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness has chastened us. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. As a legitimate born-again child of God, we can expect to be chastened. It's that plain. It's that simple. Expect it. And to chasten simply means to be disciplined. When we go astray, when we sin, and we all sin, by the way, God loves us enough to correct us. I must also say God is not intimidated by the modern thinking or modern opinion of how man tells God that he should love us. A constant complaint of many people today is they want God to show, show his love in the way that they approve of. Have you heard, heard those? Yeah, those that try to... Uh, tell God how he should behave. As Christians, we offer, of, often hear that my God is a God of love. I agree with that. But the interpretation there is they're saying God should never be unkind, in my humble opinion. And that same person, even though they may be caught up in habitual sin, feel that God has no right to correct them. Let me just say this. I'm not a young man. I have had God chasing me over the years. And it's never pleasant. But it's so necessary. There is a worse scenario than being chastened, though, and that is no chastening. When there is no chastening, when there is no correction in your life from God, there is no relationship with God. We are illegitimate, as, as Hebrews talked about, and we're not true, true children of God if there's no chastening. So as children of God... Like it or not, God is going to chasten you. And we can readily see the chastening of God, how it yields what they call the fruit of righteousness. And in the story of Joseph, he is sold into slavery in Egypt. 
Now, there's nothing about slavery that is pleasant. This was an unpleasant 17 years for Joseph. But Joseph, he came to understand. He came to realize God has been right in the middle of my slavery. And therefore, Joseph can say to his brothers, do not be grieved, do not be angry with yourselves, because God's plan, God's will, is far greater than your sin. I have a, a very close pastor friend, and he was grieving over a premature bad decision that he had made. Have you ever made a bad decision? I made one, decided I didn't like it, so I didn't make any more. No. We all make bad <laughs> premature decisions at times. And it's good to realize, it's good to take comfort in the fact that God is greater than my bad decision. If Jesus is greater than our sins, he's far greater than a bad decision. In God's plan to preserve life for Israel as a people, notice it has taken many years to get the family tree started. <laughs> okay? It all started with Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would uh, make him into a special nation, a special people. To what? To bless the world. And it took Abraham 25 years to have Isaac, the son of promise. Isaac, he's 60 years old when Jacob and Esau are born. And we know that Jacob, of course, is the younger and he was the son of promise. Now it takes Jacob another 50 to 60 years to produce 12 sons and one daughter. Now we have the entire family of Jacob, and they number 70, and they will all go down to Egypt, and in 430 years, this family will leave Egypt over 2 million men strong, and they only counted you a man when you were over 21. So they will be over 2 million strong within 430 years. To reach 70, it took 215 years. So great multiplication took place while they're there in Egypt. And God's plan to preserve life was a great plan, but it was slow in getting started, but God had to lay that foundation. And God laid the foundation in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and in Joseph while he's in slavery. Unpleasant circumstances surrounded him. First, you had the famine, the drought that the entire area was going through, which caused Jacob and his family to move down to Egypt. And this happens to be where Joseph is governor. Not only is Joseph governor of Egypt, the Pharaoh happens to look upon Joseph as his pet project. He loves Joseph. 
But we have a problem here. All of Jacob's family are shepherds or herdsmen. The Egyptians considered sheep unclean. They were an unclean animal. In verse 34, it says, For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Time out. (laughs) Okay, God, why are you taking your people down to a people who consider them disgusting? (laughs) Why in the world would God take his people down to an area where the other people will have nothing to do with them. Well, God had his reasons. It was God who orchestrated the whole family migration down to Egypt. Father Jacob, he's afraid to go down to Egypt. He's heard the stories of his grandfather, Abraham, who went down to Egypt and nothing good came about those trips down to Egypt. Jacob definitely fears going down to Egypt. So God in his kindness will give Jacob his eighth, that's eight, eighth and final dream, the last time God will appear to Jacob. And in verse 3, God says to Jacob in a dream, Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Now, God wouldn't tell Jacob not to be afraid unless he was afraid. It's that simple. Jacob, he does not know what awaits him in Egypt. But he's heard from God, and he's obedient to God. And that's the key for all of our lives. Hear from God and then obey God. Earlier... Jacob, he declared that in uh, chapter 42, verse 36, he says, all things are against me. This is when he realized that uh, Joseph maybe has been eaten by a, a wild animal and they take his coat of many colors, dip it in blood and bring it to him. And, and Jacob's response is, all things are against me. And when we do not see the full picture, many times as believers, we're tempted to speak the same kind of words to God that Jacob did. Words of unbelief. All things are against me. God has a requirement for us to be pleasing to him. And that requirement is we must exercise faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. And Jacob, who cried out, all is against me, listen to his words in verse 30. Now let me die, since I have seen Joseph's face, and he is still alive. A complete, a complete about face by Jacob. Jacob now begins to see the hand of God. And he begins to realize, truly realize, that God is for him. And that God's plans for Jacob and God's plans for Jacob's family are good plans.
I have looked at my own circumstances in the past, and like Jacob, I have complained about them to God. And I'm sure you've never done that, but I did. <laughs> I've told this story before, but uh, in Peter we're told to remind others of God's faithfulness. So I'm going to remind you, or I'm going to retell an old story, whichever way you want to look at it. In the early 80s, I moved my business and myself to Northern California. The business was going well. I was making a little money for a change. <laughs> and had recently met Lori and married her and moved out to our little piece of, the, of, of heaven, our little piece of paradise out on the Stanislaus River. Uh, Yet there remained an emptiness in my life. And one morning at work, I had a, a little custom of praying for God's protection of the day and asking him to bless uh, my labors and so forth. So one morning, I'm at work and I confess to God that he had given me everything that I had ever hoped for. Business is going good. Happily married, beautiful little ranch on the river, yet I am not happy. So I pray, Lord, why don't I do things your way for a change versus living totally for myself? And then I promptly forgot my little prayer. <laughs> but God heard that prayer, and my life changed. Within a year, I had to close the business down. I'm out of business. But by this time, I'm attending a Calvary Chapel there in Modesto, and Lori and I were working in the single ministry there, something I highly recommend for anybody that needs discipline. <laughs> they will wear you out, let me tell you. But anyway. <laughs> uh, and for the first time in my life, I'm doing something besides self-service. Within a few years, Lori and I move here to Alabama, sweet home, in the hopes of planning a Calvary Chapel. And that's still our hope, by the way. <laughs> a little bit of a joke. Anyway, uh... I have a point into this moving, sad story, and I'll, I'll tell you what it is. God's plans for each one of us is where real joy exists. I had everything I'd ever hoped for in life, yet I was still empty. It's when I begin to serve God that I found true happiness. Joseph has declared, or not Joseph, but Jacob, excuse me, declared, I can now die for I have seen the face of my son Joseph. Now, I don't have a death wish, but it's good to be doing the thing God has called me to do. So let me encourage everybody here. Even though your current situation, it may not appear to be so bright or so promising but God has a plan for you 
and it's a good plan. It's a great plan. And it's a plan to preserve life. It's a plan that will bring you joy in serving him. There's a little verse in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, which says we were created for God's own good pleasure. As one of his children, you will never have happiness until you find that place that you were created for, that place of service unto God. Now, I can't tell you what that place is. I have enough trouble trying to find it for myself. But there is where true joy of life lies. We're created for his pleasure. Find that area. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, thank you for loving Jacob and his family and loving Joseph enough to take them through the difficult times that you had to take them through to preserve life. Lord, you took 70 people and you built them into a nation in a land where they were despised. And Lord, we don't always understand what you're doing in our own lives. <clears throat> but help us to understand you're doing a good thing. And that your plan for us is to give life and preserve life. So don't let us fall into the trap of complaining about how things are against us like Jacob did. But Lord, may we by faith see that you're doing a good work. Trust in that good work and just follow completely after you. We pray for this. We ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you have a need, we'll help people that are in the prayer area. I'd love to pray with you. Uh, any sort of need, we don't put qualifications on the need. It can be Whatever the need is in your life, we'd be happy to pray with you. So get prayer if you need prayer. But the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.